I have um, been thinking and praying about what it is that I would say on this first Sunday back and and uh, how could I say thank you to you sufficiently and how could I sufficiently lift high the name of Jesus in uh, the process that we have been in. Um, and it is a very challenging thing, as you all know, who have lost a loved one, uh, to just continue on. And uh, there is a brokenness and a, um, you know, it's just weird. I don't know. I don't know how, how you go on with that. But I will say again, but God is faithful in the midst of that. And in him, we have our only hope, our only hope. And that's why I want to talk to you today a little bit about um, from Psalm 23. Because uh, the, the title of the message is simply uh, a God of all seasons. Because I think that's kind of who God is. God is this God who is good, who is faithful, who is consistent, who is powerful, who is overwhelmingly awesome in his creative power, who is a sustainer and a guider, who is all of those things. And he is all of those things at all times. And so I think that's what Psalm 23 says to me when I read it. I hear about a God who is a God for all seasons. Psalm 23 says this. You are familiar with it. I'm going to read it out of the NIV. It says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. I can maybe stop right there. Does that make sense to anybody? Does that break anybody? That breaks me up. Because <laughs> I'd like to say, really? <laughs> I've been in want. But he's still my shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely, surely, surely. The psalmist didn't write it that way, but it needed to be. Surely. You know what surely means? I mean, it's not your girlfriend from years gone by, but surely is a confident expression. Surely is a definitive 
no doubt about it expression. It is a go to the bank, make a deposit kind of expression. Surely, surely, goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever and ever. Amen. It doesn't say amen. But we agree, yes? We affirm it. We believe it. He's a God of all seasons. He's, he's the God who walks with us. You know, I, I read this and I think, you know, God walks with us in the everyday kind of stuff. He walks with us in the in the day to day stuff of life, getting us up in the morning and getting us out the door, providing for the basic provisions of our life and and moving right on through us. And it is a good thing. Yes, it is good. I mean, I, my heart's kind of, I know that I wear my feelings on my sleeve. And I, I just say, I know my heart's a mess. But I got to tell you, that's not all of life. It's not all of life. It's not all of your life. It's not all of my life. But God is this God who provides all things. We shall not be in want, even though we feel a little wanty. We're really not in want. He provides us the basic stuff. He tells us this. He makes us lie down in green pastures. He leads us beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me along my paths. Just the basic stuff of life. It's food and breath and rest and joy and refreshment and newness and guidance and purpose and life he does that over and over and over. It is who he is in the basic sense of life. Interestingly enough. And you know the story. If you've been around the church, you've heard sermons on Psalm 23. But it's kind of interesting to me that it says he makes me. Lie down in green pasture. He leads me beside soul. He refreshes my soul. He guides me. It, it's him that's doing all that. You know why that is? Because sheep are stupid. Okay? Just say it like it is. It's it, just the way it is. And guess what? David is making this analogy between sheep, <laughs> smile pretty, and us. Now, I want to think we're a little smarter than sheep, but once in a while I wonder. At least for myself. I'll just speak for myself. But he makes me lie down in green pastures. He knows when we need to rest, even when we don't. He leads us beside the quiet waters. And you know the story of the sheep who won't drink out of Rippling water, they need still water. We'll go into all that stuff. And in all of that, he refreshes my soul. 
That'd be a good thing. He guides us. He gives us reason and purpose and meaning in life. And we roll along pretty nicely, don't we? As I kind of said in my little note, I'll be honest with you, most of us, we roll along so well that we don't even notice that God is at work among us. We kind of take for granted. That's why we have Thanksgiving is to remind us, people, it's the month of Thanksgiving. Be thankful for all the little things that God does for us along the way. Be thankful for the sunshine in the morning. Be thankful for the air and the food that you eat and all the basic stuff. I was so excited the other day. I washed my sheets and it was such a wonderful thing. Yeah, I don't know. Okay, I'm drifting. But you know, I've always just not really cared too much about sheets. Sheets are sheets. Don't really care. Well, as Norma was getting sick, you know, I want to do something else. I go out and buy her the best sheets I can possibly buy from Target. So they're not really the best sheets you can possibly buy. But, <laughs> but I mean, the best sheets that I could reasonably afford to buy. <laughs> I wanted her to have something nice. And, and now I'm back there and I've got those sheets and I washed them all up really nice. And, you know, I don't know. Did God provide all that? Well, yes and no. But be thankful. For it is the God who works in the little things of life, the little joys, the little sustenance things that never change, that that just kind of we take for granted too often. God is the God of those seasons. God is the God who provides all of that stuff and walks with us in that journey. The journey that so simply gives us joy and relaxation and refreshment, all of that stuff. God is a God of that season. But he's also the same God in very different seasons. In very different seasons. For you see, the psalmist says he talks about all of this Stuff that God does, and it's this wonderful kind of thing. But he also talks to us about being the God in the season of our fears. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you're with me. There, there is this sense of which say it is not always, you know, joy and peace and abundance and all this, you know, warm, fuzzy sheets and all the rest. Uh, and that's all good. And sometimes, honestly, sometimes it's all mixed in together. Anybody? <laughs> sometimes it's a little of all of it all at the same time. But there are seasons when we face things in our lives for which we have no answers and we have no clear sense of what's going on. I always think about this when it says, Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. I really think that it's not the valley of the shadow of death. It's not death. You understand this? It, it's not death. It, it is the, the valley of the shadow of death. Death is over there. Death is over there. I'm walking through this shadow cast by death. 
that has this potential to create fear in my life. You do too. You have stuff that you walk through, journeys that you go. You know, I'm going through my grief, okay? You all know that. No big deal. Well, huge deal. Excuse me. (laughs) What am I saying? Huge deal. But not an unknown deal. I don't know what all your mountain that's casting shadows for in your life is. But we have them. We have the shadow of the unknown. We have the shadow of dreams that have been shattered. <laughs> Can I get an amen for that? We have the shadow of just pain from things. And it's this fear that we are afraid of this thing out there that's casting a shadow over us in our journey through this valley. But the promise is that we need not fear You understand that when he says, I will fear no evil, it's because he's thinking about fear. If he wasn't thinking about fear, he wouldn't have said it. And it is a bold, confident statement. I will fear no evil. But it is an affirmation at the same time that there is fear. I will fear no evil. Why? This is it, guys. For thou art with me. You are with me, God. Can I just tell you? I'll be real honest with you. It's one thing to know that in your head. It's a whole other thing to know it in your heart. But I just tell you, you've got to know it in your head before you're going to know it in your heart. And there's a reason. He said, for you are with me, Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Why is that? Why is that? You understand the difference between a rod and a staff? I should have had a rod and a staff. A rod is a big stick. You know what they did with the rod? They did battle with the rod. You didn't want to be near somebody with the rod that knew how to fight with the rod. It's a jab. Everybody who's in the military, you probably know this about your guns and all that kind of stuff. It's a jab. It's a poke. It's a pound. It's it's whatever it does. It's about a battle. It's about a fighting God on our side, doing battle on our behalf in the valley of the shadow of our fears. That's the God that's on our side. That's the God who's caring for us. That's a rod. You understand a staff, staff is different. A staff is a rescue tool. A staff is a rescue tool in case you get in a bad spot. It allows the shepherd to go down and hook up. To grab that lamb, that sheep that's gotten in a messy place, that's gotten bogged down in the marsh, who's fallen in a crevice. And 
and he's able to come and, and pick us up. Anybody ever been in the marsh in the muck or stuck in a crevice and need a God to come along and say, <laughs> you don't have to stay there. My shepherd's here. And he's going to lift me up. When our fears bog us down, when our fears throw us into ruts and cracks, it's our shepherd's staff that comes and rescues us. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. Thou art with me. My rod and my staff, they comfort me. That's good. goes on though you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies it's interesting <laughs> it's interesting it gets worse but this is interesting it is the acknowledgement that in life in our journey, even, and hear this, even in the path, even by the quiet waters, even in the green pastures, there are enemies at the door. There are enemies at the door. I mean, he, he's talking here. He, he's saying, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. There, there are enemies around you. There are enemies waging battle for your soul, for your heart, for your emotions, for your life, for everything that you are. There are enemies waging war around you. That's the reality. Aren't you glad you came to church today? Get all this good positive word from the pastor. <laughs> yeah. Look out. They're all around you. But he also says in the presence of those enemies, he prepares a table before us. Do you know what that says to me? You don't eat in front of your enemies unless you're confident that your enemies are not that big a deal. The reality is we've all got these enemies around us all the time. We have the devil is waging war against us all the time. And I, you know me, I'm not a big devil under every rock kind of person. That's not me. But I'm just telling you, there are there is an enemy out there that seeks us out and is waging war against us. But greater is he who is in us than he is in the world. And the psalmist acknowledges this presence and power of God that says, even in the presence of my enemies, my shepherd is preparing a table for me. My God, my Lord, my Savior is preparing a table before me. Eat. Don't worry about this stuff. Eat. He's going to take care of it. Eat. It's going to be okay. Eat. Take your full. Be at rest. Even in the presence of the reality, not the fantasy, but the reality of enemies in your midst. 
He says, you anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Now, (laughs) this is where it gets potentially worse. Oil was used for two big purposes in ancient days. You all probably know this, but I'll just tell you again, remind you. It was used for two major purposes. One purpose for oil was that it was how they anointed people. I guess I could say three. How they anointed people. When, when a, a new king was proclaimed, they anointed his head with oil. When, when someone had done something spectacular or was raised to a high position, they would anoint their head with oil. It was a way to say, the blessing of God has fallen upon you. you the Holy Spirit is rolling off of you. It, it is one of those kinds of ways that we, we acknowledge those kinds of things. It was also part of perfumes, you know. You didn't have a lot of baths and showers, and so I guess oil works. It's kind of a, you know, I don't know what you call those kinds of things, but uh, it was it was one of that kind of thing, and that's another way that they used it. And I don't think that's how he's referring to it here. Might be the first one. I think I'm fairly confident that it's probably more the last one. And the last one is this: they used oil to cleanse. Wounds. The cleanse wounds. When the sheep was sick, when they had a cut, when they had issues, they would pour oil upon that sheep to clean out the, the, the wound or they would clean out their eyes or they would clean out their, their skin and body. They, they used oil in a healing sense. And I go back and I begin to read again. If you walk with me in this sequence. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, the valley of the shadow of my fears of whatever death may represent for you. I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You're doing battle on my behalf and you're rescuing me from the pit. You prepare a table before me in the reality of the presence of enemies all around me. And sometimes, sometimes you get wounded, even in the process of having a shepherd protect and guide you do battle on your behalf. Give you confidence in the presence of enemies. Sometimes wounds happen. But he's the one who's there. That binds up. That heals. That restores. That brings together. Not just in a little way. But in an overflowing kind of way. My cup overflows. Do you know the the great joy of a cup that overflows? 
It's always fresh. It's always new. It is cleansing all the time. And if you take a dirty glass of water and you keep pouring water in and keep pouring water in and keep pouring water into it, it just cleanses out all that messy stuff. And the psalmist says, even in my wounds, even in a season of wounding and great pain, there is healing that comes. My cup overflows. And he says, surely, with all of that, knowing all of that, of this God of all seasons, of, of the easy and the, and the mundane and the just the, what we take for granted, our breath and life and all of that, in the season of fear and turmoil and enemies and wounds, God is present. Surely, surely in all of that. Goodness and love endures. Surely goodness and love sustains. Surely goodness and love will be all around me all the days of my life. In every season of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord Forever. I will be in his presence forever. Norma used to say, I'm not waiting for eternity. I'm not waiting for one day I'm going to die and I'm finally going to be in heaven with Jesus. She says, I'm not waiting. There's no need to wait. I am living eternity now. Surely, goodness and mercy follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, forever and ever. Forever and ever. It, it is that confidence about a God who is a good and loving God, no matter what my circumstances are. It's something I have preached to you for five plus years. God's goodness is not defined by my circumstances. If you haven't written that down before, you need to write that down. When I am dead and gone, you can say, Pastor Runyon always used to say this. God's goodness is not defined by my circumstances. God is good. When there is provision and it's green pastures and quiet waters and all of that stuff, God is good. And God is good when we're walking through the valley of the shadow of death and there's enemies all around and sometimes there's even wounds in life. God has not changed. He is still faithful. He is still good. He is still working on our behalf. That's what I know. That's not always easy. And I've shed a lot of tears. And will continue to shed a lot of tears. But it does not change who God is.
He is true and bigger than my circumstances. And his faithfulness endures forever. Amen? I've read a few books um, since I've been out. Um, Books about grief and faithfulness and questions and death and all that stuff, as you might expect. And uh, one of the one of the authors um, talked about um, this idea of communion and the Lord's Supper. I know we just had this last week, kind of our monthly thing, but he spoke about it in this way. And he, he said, uh, we do this in remembrance of me. Um, we Protestants usually don't read the other thing we say is as, as often as you gather together. <laughs> we, we usually don't do that every Sunday kind of thing. But, but it's in remembrance of him, in remembrance of his brokenness, of his shed blood, of the forgiveness of sin that we have in Jesus' name. And all those kinds of things. But the author also talked about this idea that that there is something that is also in the sharing of communion together that that reminds us that there is this, as the I believe Apostles Creed says, this communion of the saints. That there is a oneness of the saints in the broken body and shed blood of Jesus Christ. And and not just the communion of the saints in this room, but it is the the oneness of the communion of the saints of all people of faith in Jesus Christ. It is the communion of saints, not just today and yesteryear, but yesterday, today and forever forever. There is a oneness in our communion of the saints that draws us together. And in my context, in the context of which this guy was writing a book on grief, he spoke of the oneness of those who have passed away. That there is something that we continue to share with them as we faithfully Share in the broken body and shed blood of our Jesus Christ. So that we remember Jesus. It's all about Jesus, folks. <laughs> what I'm talking about is kind of a secondary benefit. <laughs> but we also remember that we are part of that great cloud of witnesses that have gone before us. Who somehow, in ways I don't understand, look down on us and Wait for us with eager anticipation. And so we share. We share in this symbols of Jesus Christ. Our faith in his sufficiency for our insufficiency. And we hold him high. And in so doing, we participate in this communion of saints.